Hey, everybody. Great to talk to you. It's Corey, and I'm sitting here with Chad. And the reason we're doing this podcast, as some of you may know, we had some students that and sponsors test posit, tested positive for COVID. And because we care about your safety, uh, because we know that a lot of you have worked very hard to be safe and protect your families and your loved ones, we want to help you do that. And so we decided the best thing to do, because we have had a few people that have had interactions with False Creek people, is just go ahead and go virtual. And we're pretty good at that, I think, because <laughs> we've done it a lot for a lot of reasons. So here we are, Virtual Haven, the first one of the summer. Yep. And we are going to wrap up today. We're going to finish the last two questions so that the next time we see each other in person, we're just going to do fun stuff. Yeah. So... The two questions that we're going to answer today, and here's the format that we're going to do. We're going to have Chad answer these questions. I'm going to kind of be a little bit of a facilitator, a little bit of a moderator. And and the reason for that, some of you know Chad's background, some of you don't. I'm going to brag on my friend a little bit. So Chad spent years in the ministry as a full-time youth minister, kind, kind of like myself. But Chad is a fantastic resource both for practical, what do you do when this comes up kind of things, and also for, I started off with both, I'm going to name three things, also for just technological, he's the smart, make all that stuff work, which is handy for a podcast, but he's also a fantastic resource for scripture and application, and somebody who really has spent his life seeking after the heart of God and the will of God and God's word, and sharing that word with young people. And so we talk a lot, and we're about to talk a lot, about God calls us to do something, and anything that's not what he calls us to do, that's sin. And sin is anything that's not the bullseye. You guys hear me say that all the time. You probably hear me say that again in a few minutes. Well, I I really, truly believe that I'd be outside of God's will if I didn't give Chad an opportunity to teach uh, just every segment, every section that we do, things like this summer. And so I've asked Chad to cover the last two questions that we have. We've worked really hard, and you guys have been really patient because we've worked, we've been a little bit more studious than in some years in in our dedication to getting questions done because we've had some really great complicated Mm -hmm. questions. We've worked really hard to get where we're ready to finish today. And the last two questions are, so how do I deal with distractions And do I really need to pray every day? Those two questions we're asking our note card. I think that when we dig into this, they're going to actually be relevant to each other. But let's start with the first one, Chad. And I'm going to start, I'm going to back it up. I think the question makes a presumption that maybe it's a correct presumption, but I want to actually back it up and ask you this question. Do you think that distraction issues are sin issues? Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. I really think at its heart, when we deal with distractions, we are re- dealing with something that's the result of the fall, right? And, and so it is inherently a sin issue. But by saying that, I don't want to 
I don't want to say that if we ever get distracted or if we deal with distractions worse than others or anything like that, we're um, any worse off or anything like that. I mean, I have ADHD. I'm going to mention that a couple times throughout this, right? I mean, I am inherently, my brain is wired in such a way where I have to be maybe a little bit more intentional than a neurotypical person might have to be when it comes to distractions. So I don't want to demonize distractions, but at the same time, distractions are really a, a sin issue, in my opinion. It's it's not pursuing the things that we are meant to pursue in the right priority in which they're meant to be pursued. If that here makes comes the distraction mm-hmm. uh, right here. Yeah. One of the things that that I love about you and me is we're so alike and so different. Mm-hmm. You said you have ADD. Mm-hmm. I also have ADD. Yeah. The difference is you just described everyone else as neurotypical, <laughs> whereas I would have said normal. <laughs> I think that's so so great that you have such a more I'm gonna say formal perspective sometimes that adds so much to a conversation like this that we get that. to have, and it also I'm gonna segue from the segue. Mm-hmm. back to to where we were in that while distractions can be a sin if they keep you from mm-hmm. where God's calling you to go, sometimes distractions are necessary. Yes. It's almost like the thing I hate most about Zelda games is they have all these side quests because I'm mm-hmm. a get-or-done kind of goal-oriented guy. But some of those side quests are actually necessary if you're going to kill Ganon and do all the stuff you got to yeah. do. You got to get the Ganon killing sword. Yeah, you need the Master Sword. You right? do. That's what I couldn't remember. <laughs> it's been several years since Cade and I beat yeah. Breath of the Wild. But you got to do all those things. And sometimes what we would term as a distraction is really an addendum to our agenda. Yes. So yeah. probably it's a little bit of a spiritual maturity issue, a little bit figuring out, okay, what is. What is a change in marching orders and what is actually a distraction? Yeah, and I, and I think you bring up a great point, too. Um, I, I think that there is reason to make a distinction between a distraction, right, and something else that may look a lot like a distraction on the outside, but but is inherently different. Like I'm I'm tempted to use the word diversion, right? Like, like there are distractions, right, where we know— that we have something that we are called to do and something distracts us from that calling. We're going to finish this podcast by talking about prayer and that spiritual discipline of prayer. I just want right. you guys to know that Chad is actually doing the hula motions with his uh, hand oh, yeah. while I'm, we're I'm talking. talking I don't know hand, what that's man. up I wish with we that. had a video, call, a video of this because it would be quite entertaining, right? But a distraction, we're going to talk about prayer, right? Um, and a distraction would be something that pulls you away from the the discipline of prayer uh, and and in particular where you feel called to spend that discipline of prayer, right? A diversion is something that from the outside might look like a distraction, but it's something that um, is God honoring. It's, it's cut feeling, but it's a something that you intended to do as a, a activity that would be a diversion, right? Like, like for me, uh, you and I, we, we like to read books. We like to read fantasy books, right? And it would be tempting from the outside looking in to see that time spent kind of in those fantasy worlds as a distraction from quote unquote, the real world, right? 
But at the same time, you and I have talked a whole lot about the value that those things bring, both as a as a diversion, as something that fills our tank and and kind of helps us to uh, to unwind and relax a little bit, which God calls us to do, right? Yeah. Um, and it's something that that gives us uh, kind of hooks to hang different ideas on, like when we, you know, there there are so many ideas that are dealt with in in uh in fiction that 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 help you just just face the real world and and live and follow the lord and so there's it's important to to di- make a distinction between something that as, like a distraction which i think is inherently sinful sinful and something like a diversion which may not be super productive in worldly terms but is good and is ordained by god well one of these days we're going to make a podcast and we're going to call it the cross-eyed podcast about mm-hmm. yeah. like all the the things that we've learned about jesus and fellowship and all that stuff from the books we've read yeah. so I, I totally think that's an example and it kind of reminded me of i cleaned out my my garage saturday morning mm-hmm. and the plan was simply to Get the stuff on the right side of my garage out of the way so Elizabeth's car could park a little bit more to the right so it's easier to get my motorcycle in and out mm-hmm. because some of y'all know, some of you don't. I sold my truck. I ordered a new truck. It's not here, so I'm just a full-time biker right now. So I wanted to be able to get my motorcycle out without like it being hard. Mm-hmm. So the plan was I'm going to clean the right corner, the right rear corner of my garage. To do that, I had to have somewhere to put that stuff, which meant I had to clean the left shelves, the left rear part of my shelves, and then to clean that shelf. Then I had to clean another shelf, and I did all those things, and then I came back to the right side. And so I had to do some side quests Mm -hmm. that were goal-oriented to my destination. And a lot of times God does call us. He gives us things to do. And there's even parables about that. Like the story of the Good Samaritan really is about a guy that God sent on a side quest, right? Yeah, yeah that's a He was on his journey. He was going somewhere else, and God gave him somebody that was sick and injured and needed to be loved. Mm-hmm. And the priest refused to go on that side quest. Yeah. Right? The Pharisee refused to go on that side quest. But the Samaritan said, I'm going to divert from my task that I have and do what God's calling me to do right now. Mm -hmm. So there's good diversions. There's good distractions. Yeah. And so we've got to know sin wise, which one's which, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it would be helpful to go ahead and, uh, try to boil down like a working definition of distraction for the intent of this podcast. Right. And so for me, Right. What I am saying when I'm using the word distraction throughout this this podcast is anything that keeps us from pursuing the will of God as we should. Right. And so that that accounts for those side quests. Right. That that accounts for those 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 uh, diversions from uh, the, you know, the ideal course of our life. Right. You know, I mean, uh, we, we all do, we all do this, right. We, we sit down. I mean, for example, today I sit down, part of my job is writing checks. I, I write all the, I, I print all of the, the checks that our, our church pays out, um, in any given week, right. I'm, the money that is spent is, is spent through me. Right. And I have a pattern of printing those checks on Wednesdays, uh, because I see, 
my check signers on Wednesdays typically, and, and uh, I get them signed on Wednesdays, and I mail them out on Thursdays, and so on and so forth. And that's my Wednesday task. Every Wednesday, in my task manager that I'm going to mention later is, uh, uh, is due weekly check run, and it's due on Wednesday. And right now, if I were to open my task manager, that would be red, and it would be overdue, and it would be yelling at me because I didn't finish that. The reason I didn't finish that is... We have a sister church that um, wanted me to come and sit down and walk through their their financial um, setup with them, and they needed to meet this afternoon, and I felt it right to go ahead and divert from my normal course of activities and move and and go and meet with them and just make the decision that I'm going to print those checks tomorrow morning, and I'm going to leave the office and go find a check, check center tomorrow morning, and I'm going to get those checks signed. And that's, that's a difference from my normal pattern, but I am confident that that was the priority that the Lord wanted me to have today. Right. And, and you can take, you can fill your life with millions of situations just like that. And so that's why I think it's important to see distraction as something that keeps us from the will of will of God, both from a overview from a, from a strategic standpoint in our life, right? If we're looking down at our life from 30,000 feet, as it were, and from a tactical standpoint, as in, I have to get these 10 things done this afternoon in order to, to, to be productive in the way that the Lord has called me to be productive. And how am I going to avoid pulling up Facebook on my phone and slowing myself down from that purpose? Absolutely. So you mentioned that we live... In this time, there's all these distractions, and, mm-hmm. and and well, you had in your notes here. We we make a little script before we yeah. do this, and you 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 go to Philippians three fourteen. So, do you want to talk about that scripture real quick before we move on? Um, yeah, uh, one of the things I wrote down when I was was thinking about distraction and and trying to arrive at a biblical view on distraction is um, one of the first things that popped into my mind is that God's people have always dealt with distractions, right? We look at Israel in the Old Testament. That, I mean, really, the Old Testament is a story of God calling his people back to himself and of them getting distracted or falling away from from their call to the Lord and falling away and then facing the consequences of that and then being called back, right? And so— we look at the the story of the golden calf in Exodus 32, and that's one of uh, the many times, right? Moses went up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, and while he was gone and he wasn't there to uh, lead the troops, as it were, Israel got distracted and made an uh, made an idol, right? And, yeah. I mean, we see that over and over and over again. And you mentioned Philippians 3.14. Um, you know, one thing I wrote down, and I'm just going to read it uh, uh, distraction at its most basic is taking one's eyes off of the price, right? Uh, in Philippians 3, uh, verse 14, Paul talks about, uh, uses the illustration of, of being like a runner, right? A runner running towards the prize and running after the goal that, that the Lord has laid out for him. And, and in doing so, he's following after the will of God. So really, distraction is taking your eye off the prize, right? Sure. And so, one of the things that's relevant is, anytime you deal with something, you say, okay, what's my weakness, right? Mm-hmm. What's the thing that I struggle with? And so, when you and I were talking before that, you said different types of distractions hit 
different people different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think we can learn some things about ourselves by the things that distract us, right? Absolutely, right? And I think that, uh, you know, there there are some baseline um, realities that we live in every day. It's just the air we breathe, right? Uh, People of all time, from time immemorial, have dealt with distractions, right? I just said Israel... Um, the Old Testament is a story of God's people dealing with distractions in a lot of ways if you want to boil it down uh, and leave a whole lot of stuff out, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I think that is doubly true for the world that we live in, right? For the first time in human history, we all have something in our pocket that's effectively connected to every other person in the, on the planet, right? And we are giving something in our pocket, a chance to distract us at any time and any day, right? We live in a world where the internet exists, so it's harder than ever to get off on our own and spend time just with ourselves, right? We, we've gone from, you know, 20 years ago, uh, you know, when, when, when I was a kid, um, you know, having home phones that, you know, people can contact you when you're within the walls of your house to now Every, everybody has a cell phone, and they can contact you no matter where you are in the world. It seems to me like some distractions are distractions of perspective. In other words, the things that we're distracted by are not good. It's just that they're not good if they don't glorify God. Yeah. Like the example you used earlier of, of reading a book. That can be a good thing or a yeah. bad thing. Yeah. And then there's other distractions that are distractions of, of idolatry, yeah. right? more yeah. important than God. Mm-hmm. And then there's other distractions that are distractions of lust. And when I mean lust, that might be like physical erotic lust, mm-hmm. pornography, that type of stuff. That's a real yeah. deal. But it could also be just lusting for having something you don't have or being in a situation you don't have that yeah. we a lot of times we use covetousness, but they're really simil- they're really synonyms. Yeah. That that distraction of I wants, I wants, I wants. Sometimes mm-hmm. we all get those a case of the I wants. Yeah. And so a lot of times we can look at those three things mm-hmm. and figure out what do we need to do to our heart to make it more like Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh when I heard a pastor say one time, uh, you know, when you've got a good thing, you've got a good thing. But when you allow that good thing to become a God thing, it becomes a bad thing, right? And so so what he was saying was, you know, there are a lot of good things that we can turn into idols. That sounds like David Treadway. Huh? I don't remember who said it, right? But that does sound a lot like David Treadway, right? <laughs> sounds um, like something he would say at Jake's Rib when right? I'm there on a Monday. Yeah, yeah. Stab um, and And so, uh, you know, but but that's absolutely true, right? And then, and really, um, my goal when we're done talking about distractions, what I want for every person listening to this, to, to glean out of this, right? This is a spoiler alert situation, right? Is I want for us to see distractions as the warning sign of the beginning stages of idolatry, right? When, when we look at things, you know, you mentioned there are things that aren't necessarily good or bad. They're neutral. But if we relate with them wrong, right, they, they become sinful, right? It's not wrong for us to have a Facebook profile and be connected with people and to, to enjoy the fellowship that that brings. But when it becomes a, um, a, a fundamental part of our self-image and the way that we relate to others, then we might have a problem. Well, that's a great example that you use when you said it's this early symptom of idolatry. Mm-hmm. One of my thoughts when I was reading through the questions at the first of the 
the first of the semester and thinking, yeah. okay, kind of what is the answer? I'm not talking about when you write it down, but just do I know the answer to this kind of thing was <laughs> Jesus said, if your left hand causes you to stumble, then cut it off. Yeah. Because you would rather lose your hand than the whole body. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times a distraction is a hint that maybe we need to make some severe changes from our life. Yeah. We need to take something out of our life. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do. But sometimes we have to just prune the vines of our life and say, you know what, this is a good thing. TV, internet, mm-hmm. books, comic books, board games, whatever the case may be. Yeah. I got to cut that out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that that is, is beginning to get into um, the ways that we uh, should deal with distractions, right? We know that God's people have always dealt with distraction. We live in an age of distraction, right? Distractions are more in our face than they've ever been. And so with that in mind, I think that there are two ways we can think about dealing with those distractions that are helpful. At least they're helpful for me when I think about the way that I've dealt with distraction in my own life. And so the first way that we must deal with distraction is uh, a little bit of a Jesus juke, but it's important. Okay. Um, we, we need to think about the theological or heart issues regarding distraction. And that's really, we've kind of been swimming in that pool a little bit so far, right? We've talked about how distraction is the early warning sign of idolatry. You know, we, we've talked about how, uh, you know, God's people have, have fallen to distraction when they've, uh, when that, when they've had an improper view of who God is and all this stuff. Right. And so here, um, I've got three things that, that I wrote down that I think need to be in our thoughts with this. Sure. Right? Um, the first one is distraction reveals our heart's desires, right? Paul talks about in, um, and I forgot to look it up. I'm, but uh, I think in um, one of the pastoral epistles, first or second Timothy, Paul talks about how he has this, this thing that he wants to do, but whenever he has something he wants to do, sin is always close at hand. And he has this really almost awkward couple sentences where he's like, you know, I want to do this thing, but then I, I don't do what I want to do. And, and I get distracted from what I want to do and all this stuff. And you could tell he's really processing through why am I getting distracted? Right. And I think that that uh, really get, when we really boil that down, we see that distraction, it reveals what, where our heart's at. Right? I think you're talking about Romans seven fifteen. Yes. What yes. I want to do, I don't do. And what I do, I do not want to do. Exactly. Which right? is, it's like one of those weird passages that you know what he means, but you don't know which sentence means which. Yeah, a right? little bit. Like it, it's kind yeah. of a weird way to say it, and, and it's so true to life in that way too, right? I think it's it's one of those it uh, one of those passages that just illustrates what the battle with sin looks like, right? And 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 really, when we think about distraction, it reveals what we truly want to do, right? If I am uh, cleaning my house, right, and I'm, I mean, and I'm. I need to do my laundry. I need to fold my laundry and uh, I need to do my dishes. I need to pick up my floor and all of that stuff. Uh, And I'm, I'm in the process of doing that. And then somewhere in the middle of that kind of without thinking about it, I sit down, I turn on my TV and I start playing rocket league on my switch instead. Right. I'm not doing that because I want, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that for any reason other than the fact that I really 
want to play be playing Rocket League right then, and I don't want to discipline myself to manage my house in the way that I should. And when I allow myself to go into autopilot mode, I sit down and I play video games instead. I love the illustration that you just gave because one of the things that is really important to clarify is when we talk about God's will, we're not just talking about writing a message to give at church or going and witnessing to our friends. Mm-hmm. We're talking about God says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to glorify God. Yes. And so we're talking about going to work, being a husband, being a father, yeah. being a wife, being a coworker, being a friend, being a, a person that um, takes care of their animals. Like all the things that we do, yeah. uh, all the things that we do to be good stewards of the world that God gave us. Yeah. All those things that God called us to do. Yeah. So distractions can distract us from all of those things. You want to be a good employee that mm-hmm. works hard for the people you work for. Yeah. All that stuff, that's part of God's will, right? Yeah, and that that's one of the next the next points I wrote down actually. Um I would distra- I would argue that distraction is always spiritual, right? In in our western uh modern and and postmodern way of thinking, the way that we have all been conditioned to think through our whole life. We have kind of a default of having the sacred on one side and we think of certain things as sacred. And we have the secular on the other side, and we think of those as secular. And we tend to apply reason to the secular things, and we tend to apply emotion to the sacred things. And we tend to to divide those two, but really the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that all of those are everything is spiritual and everything is secular all at the same time. And you mentioned that that post-modernity kind of brings this up. And a lot of times I've heard— People say that this modern concept of the church, when we say things like every member, a minister, and yeah. all those things, that that's a little bit responsive, and that's not always been the historical view. Mm-hmm. But it has. Yeah. So even the point of the reason a lot of times you'll hear older people generally in church call like the preacher Brother Michael yeah, is to emphasize you're not a priest, you're not our father, you're our brother, we're all the same. Yes. And all the way back to the Protestant Revolution, which I believe was grounded in an awakening of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So all the way back to the earliest readings of Scripture, we have this concept of the priesthood of the believer, and every one of us are ministers of the gospel when we go to work, when we clean our yes. house, when we sit in the stands at a football game. We are ministers of if you're if this is your church you're a minister of first baptist church chickasha Mm -hmm. and by extension a minister of jesus yeah and and everything we do reflects the person of work in jesus in some way and that is why we're called to do all things as as if we were doing it for christ because we are right and you know earlier i said distraction reveals our heart's desires right um, we, we can see examples of this all throughout the, the scripture from the, from the very first sin, the tree of knowledge and good, good and evil throughout all of uh, the all of the Old Testament stories through the New Testament, through the history of the church. We can see over and over and over again that sin is really a shift of um, our priorities from what God has for us to what we want in that moment. And one example I thought of was Esau with with his stew, right? And so um, there's a story of Jacob and Esau, these brothers. Jacob would eventually become Israel, the, uh, the representative of God's people, right? And uh, 
uh, there's a point where Esau, he's the oldest son, and so he should have the birthright. He should carry the mantle of Abraham's family forward. But he comes in from a long day of hunting, and he says, um, tells his brother to make some stew for him because he's starving. He's just so hungry. You know, he's been out hunting and he's and he's hungry. And um, Jacob says, "Well, I'll do that if you give me the birthright." And he's like, "Fine, whatever." Give me the stew. You can have the birthright, right? In that moment, his priorities have shifted from what God has for him to his immediate desires, right? And and we can see that lack of division between sacred and secular. Like his stomach is why he made that decision to sin. He he traded the um the the invaluable um the the inconceivable. Uh, riches of honor that that were were bestowed with being Abraham's heir and standard bearer uh, in in the story of the gospel to eating soup that would leave him hungry a day later. Right? It's like the whole idea of living water that Jesus. I mean, we see it over and over and over again throughout Scripture. Yeah, and and just real clearly about that story when you're talking about that inheritance. That is an actual promise from God that your descendants yeah. will prosper and be as numerous as the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky. Mm-hmm. And so what he's poo-pooing on and what he's devaluing on and saying, well, words are not as good as meat. You know, I, words, I've heard people say words can't fill my belly. Yeah. And that's kind of what Esau said here. And But the difference is in this situation, God has literally made a tangible inheritance promise to Abraham mm-hmm. that somebody's going to get. Yes. And so what he's doing there is looking away from God's word mm-hmm. and looking to his his belly, looking yeah. to his physical urges. Yes, exactly. Which is very applicable to distraction in general. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the third thing that we see is that distraction keeps us from our mission. You know, the reality is, is if we are in Christ, we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. Right, we are we are not called to chase after our own desires every day. We are we're called to align our desires with the desires of Christ, and we're trusting in Him to show us the better way than we could ever than we could ever conceive of in in our sinful self and in our sin. And we're about to get in the practical, but I do want to say practically one of the ways that that. I see us struggling as a, a, a mini body of believers at the Haven is. We have some amazing friendships. And that's a big part of the ministry God's called us to is building those fellowships. But sometimes those friendships can become cliques. Yeah. And sometimes somebody will walk in the door and we don't, we don't get them in the conversation like we need to because we're talking about this story or that story. And... If you come the first time, you might feel like you need a Captain Haven decoder ring mm-hmm. because everyone is talking about things that you don't know much about. Yeah. And so what we've got is this good thing God's called us to do, which is have fellowship and share our lives together. Mm-hmm. We're called to do that. We're commanded. Yeah. We're also commanded to reach the world and love everybody. So we've got to find a time to make other time for that fellowship stuff. So when people come in, we can build those relationships with them. So the next thing you know, we need to make other time to spend time with them. Yeah. Outside of two. And so you've got two different callings and you've got to learn to simultaneously yeah. make which, those both work. Which is precisely why the first way that we need to deal with our distractions in our life has to do with our heart, right? When we, uh, 
you know, when we are called to do anything, and we look at that, those fellowships and friendships, right? And and it's easy for us to do the easy thing and to just um, live in those friendships that we've already cultivated, um, and rather than do the immediate calling that God has has had us at, and we can we can talk about practical things all day. And I have some very real life examples from my life of ways that I've actively fought distraction in my life. But if we just jump to those practical realities, we, we miss out on the motivation and the thing that will give us staying power and fighting those distractions. And I think that example that you give from the life of the Haven is much better to illustrate that than some of the, uh, real to life personal, um, illustrations that I'm going to give. We have to make sure our heart's right and we have to chase after the Lord in order for all the, the practical realities to have staying power in our lives. Absolutely. So we've kind of covered the theological, the spiritual, and, and, and the esoteric. Mm-hmm. And so now let's talk about those practical things you were talking about, some this has worked for me kind of stuff. Yeah. There are a few things I'm going to stay here, say here, but the first thing I want to say is this looks different for everyone, right? When we look at the heart stuff, that looks the same for everyone on a, on a macro level, right? We all have broken, uh, we all have hearts that have been broken by sin and we all need to deal with our hearts and let Jesus renew us from the inside out it, for all the practical to, to have any staying power. Um, this practical stuff, um, it looks different for everyone. So I want to encourage our listeners not to just do what I do, but to take the principles from what I've, you know, found in my life that helped me to to fulfill the 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 call of the Lord in my life as best I can, right? And so, uh, that being said, I, I have just a couple points of advice, right? I think the first thing that that we should do is develop the habit of seeing our time as a commodity with value, right? Um, we, that, that's such a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I, I think, I think we have a tendency not to do that. Right. Uh, we, we see as, uh, we see the, the things that hold value in our life as the things that are either directly monetary, right. The number that we see when we check our bank account or the things we bought with the, mo- the, the, the monetary value that we uh, accumulated, right? Like our, um, you know, this phone that I'm holding that you can't see, that you can see, but our listeners can't see, you know, the iPad that I'm reading this on or the recording equipment that we have. We see that as the things that have value. If you think about it, when you talk about earthly life, mm-hmm. time is life. Yeah. People say time is money, but it's not. It's literally life. Mm-hmm. What life is, is how much time you have. Yeah. Period. They're synonyms. Yes. And so 15 minutes of time is 15 minutes of life. It's mm-hmm. a little portion, kind of like that mostly dead thing on The Princess Bride. Yeah. Right? He's not dead. He's just mostly dead. And he has a little <laughs> machine to show. See, he's got a little bit of not dead left. Mm-hmm. That's what life is. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 let's let's get real for a minute. If you spend your money poorly... And and you you come back to your senses and you realize oh I I messed up you can earn money back and eventually dig your way out of that hole um, by earning more money you can replace money that you've spent right I've um, I've been on a journey over the past year or so of, of paying off credit card debt you know it's something that you and I've talked about a lot and 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 I've pay, paid off some credit cards and those credit cards represented just unwise spending from me right um, and I was able to with discipline you know, pay, pay those off. Right. 
incredible dis- annoying discipline because it means you haven't done a lot of things with me. So I've been really proud of you and inspired by you and annoyed. Yeah, I'll take that. Right. Okay. Um, but at the same time, time we can we can't do that with time. Time is not a replaceable commodity in our life in the same way that money is. Right. Um, whatever time we spent doing whatever we've done. That has been spent, and we will never get it back. It's the most valuable commodity that we have. And so uh, I think that that's helpful, at least for me, in thinking about distraction and thinking about uh, living on mission, right, Um, is is thinking about my time as the most valuable thing that I have to offer both to myself, to the Lord that I love, and to the people that I love, and I've been called to, to actively love in my life, whether that be... Um, my kids, my friends, or the people involved in ministries that the Lord has given me some some sort measure of uh, involvement in, like the Haven, like our youth ministry at the church, so on and so forth. Our time is the most valuable thing we have to offer and steward. Awesome. So let's talk about some of these actual tricks that, that yeah, you've used yeah, to absolutely. avoid distraction. Absolutely. Um, I think that um, once we see our time as a commodity, once once we understand the value of our time, uh, one thing that helps me so much is being honest with myself in regards to what tends to distract me and what my distraction threshold is, right? Uh, this is not the best illustration of ever because you may not get it, but it's a fantastic illustration. So um, there, there's a show that, that just aired on Disney Plus it's called Loki, right? And, and Loki, Great show. Uh, it's a fantastic show. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's awesome, right? But um, Loki is um, captured by this organization called the Time Variance Authority, and they try to prevent alternate timelines from splitting off. And, and there's a threshold that happens, and if, and, if they, and if things happen and it makes this timeline uh, go past this uh, uh, this red line that's like the threshold, and they can never fix the problems that are created by this event, right? And in a lot of ways, uh, that's kind of the the vision that I have when I think about a distraction threshold, right? Like we all have little things that we can deal with and that we can stay on task with little uh, distractions that we have, and we can grow that threshold through discipline and through habits and things like that. But we have to be honest with ourselves with how much distraction we can take before we just go completely off the rails. So like I call that white noise. Yeah. Stuff that can help you be on task. Yeah. So for example, for me, when I was in private practice, a lot of times on my Friday afternoons or Saturday mornings would be when I would file all my files from the week. Yeah. Which is hours of tedious, monotonous, mind-numbing, just pick up a file, walk to the other room, mm-hmm. alphabetize it, pick up a file, walk to the other room. Yeah. I would find that if I just did that, I could not, my willpower tank would run out pretty quickly if that's all I did. Mm-hmm. But if I put some headphones on and listen to a book on tape, yeah. while I'm doing that, I could spend an entire day, and until my wife calls and says, why aren't you home, mm-hmm. I don't know it goes, because I love books, yeah, and it can help me stay on task. In the same way, it's amazing how much better like CrossFit times are mm-hmm. if you play music while you work out. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just crazy. Something about us, sometimes that white noise helps. Yeah. And so I would call that a complimentary task. Yeah. Those white noise events. Yeah. And so you've got to know. And be honest, because sometimes that white noise can become the main thing. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. you got to figure out, is this complimentary? Mm-hmm. Or is it contrary yeah. to my goal? Is it, is it going to cause a distraction? Because here's, here's the reality. We all tend to overestimate our self-control, and we all tend to underestimate, uh, underestimate the amount of time that we waste. And so one of the things that, that helps is to take the, the activities, the things we give our attention to, and make them as objective as possible and measurable as possible. Yes, and I, I like the fact that you, you're telling us to personalize to you because mm-hmm. one of the things I thought of, he'll probably listen to this and he'll make fun of me for it because he does that, but yeah. our other buddy that we spent a lot of time with, Pat Phillips. Yeah. So Pat has a Ford truck. I have, well, right now I don't have a Ford truck, but I'll have one again in a few weeks, hopefully. Yeah. And I had a Ford truck. But Pat, for his job, is in his truck all day, every day, drives all the time, all these miles, and he has all of these tricks for efficiency mm-hmm. and all these places where this is and this and this. So every time we take a ski trip or something, we usually take his truck. Yeah. And I always steal ideas for him on where you put stuff because we both have four trucks. Mm-hmm. But one of those ideas, up on the windowsill branch thing, Pat has like seven kinds of knives that he keeps mounted on the plastic windowsill support. So mm-hmm. the clip of the knife goes back and holds it. And I thought, what a great place to put my knife. Mm-hmm. And then I put my one knife that I keep in my truck on that windowsill. And then I thought, you know, I'm always looking for a pin. So I put this pin. Well, sometimes I need a blue pin. Sometimes I need a black pin. I never know when I'm going to sign a warrant. Yeah. Well, I run out a lot. And so I've got like seven pins and a knife there. And one day I'm looking at that and I realize he is so much cooler than me. He lives the kind of the kind of life where on an average day he needs seven knives. Yeah. And I live the kind of life where on an average day I need seven ink pens. Yeah. Yeah, and it <laughs> but, would be and it would be useless for you to put seven knives on on and use that that space in your truck for seven knives because you you live a different life and you have different responsibilities than Patrick has. Right? It would be. So I could take some of the stuff from him and apply uh-huh. it to my life. And that's the idea with these efficiency things. Yeah. So you you live a different life. You have different things to do if you're listening at home than what we do. But you take those and you apply them. And if you, you sit at a desk and wear a dress all day like me, mm-hmm. you're probably going to need a lot of ink pens. Yeah. If you cut down trees and work in the oil field like Pat, you're probably going to do some cool blade related things. Exactly. And when it comes to time, I think that the overarching principle is make your time as objective and measurable as possible, right? You can go really extreme with this. There's an app called Toggle where you can divide your life into categories and measure time based on where where something fits within a category. People use this for billable hours and stuff all the time, but a lot of productivity nerds will use this to say, okay, this is the time that I spent doing this part of my job. You know, if you're, you know, a college student, you might say, okay, each individual class gets uh, gets a category and and anytime I work on anything in this class, I can see how much time I spent studying for this specific class or that specific class or writing or whatever, right? Um uh and you can go extreme. You can you can take an extreme uh, uh viewpoint and track every waking hour of your day and some people do that long-term. Some people do that short-term just to make sure they have an objective measurement. That's a little bit much for me, right? Uh, It's interesting that you say that and you go to the apps because I looked at your your little 
things that you use for organization, and they're mm-hmm. all technology technology related, yeah. right? So you mentioned toggle. And go ahead and tell about the other technologies you have. Um, yeah, it, I mean, uh, I, I use a task manager um, uh, and and uh, and all of that stuff. And and we'll get in we'll get into all of all of that. I I have um, timers and stuff that I use on my phone to 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 cut me off from all that. Um, but you know, I think what you're getting at too is, um, you know, there there are other methods you can use to go after that objective. Uh, that objectification of your time, right? Uh, that the, the the making your time measurable, right? You can you can journal that, right? You can take that to an analog place. So, I'm the digital guy, right? If I wanted to go extreme, right? If I wanted to track every waking hour of my day, that's how I would do it. I would download a toggle app. I would set up ways to automate that to make it as friction free as possible. If you wanted to track every hour of your day in as objective way as possible and remove your kind of emotions from that situation. How would you do it? So I'm kind of making fun of you about technology, but yeah. I also kind of live a pretty digital life. Yeah. I My calendar governs everything. I have a really detailed calendar and go here. But it's organized by time and place. Mm-hmm. And so I have a place that I have my quiet time every morning yeah. before anyone else wakes up. Mm-hmm. I, have, I actually have two places I switch between. But... Those places are my place and my time when no one else is around, no one's available to distract me. Mm-hmm. Before I got married, I was a nighttime quiet timer. Yeah. Once I got married, nighttime, the house is a busy, bustling place. Yeah. Doesn't work. So I had to become a morning quiet timer. Yeah. When I was in private practice, I had a seeing people office. Mm-hmm. I had a research office and I had a table that I would work at. When I'm looking stuff up, I would go to the research office and use the computer. When it was time to actually draft something and work, Mm -hmm. I'd go sit at the table in another room with no internet, with the Wi-Fi turned off, and I would sit and write, not because I don't type way faster than I write, but because if I sat at that table, I would do nothing but work. And that was kind of an integrity issue, because at that point, you're billing hours, and I need to spend that time working for them, and so it became a moral thing. Yeah, And so when I think about distractions, I think about time, place, and accountability. Yes, absolutely. And that's something you and I have worked with before about Mm -hmm. when we've got something going on and we keep each other accountable and say, this is a goal that I have to accomplish. Make me do that. Yeah, And those type of friends, that iron sharpens iron relationship. Are very yeah. key to this. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, there there are ways that you can uh, make your your time spent objective that looks uh, different. Um, you know, and, and might automatically be happening. Uh, one of the examples I wrote down was: you're if you're an iPhone user like me, and not a Neanderthal Android user like Corey. I say that jokingly. Androids can be great. But, you know, I, I, I really love my iPhone and I use, I've, I use Apple products for specific reasons outside of they're the popular ones, right? And one of the reasons I love my, I love my iPhone is they have screen time. And so my phone every Sunday gives me a report of how many hours I spent with the screen on on my phone uh, every day on average. And it tells me, you know, you spent 10% more on average with your, with your phone this week than you did last week. And it's really convicting and it makes me feel horrible, but it also makes that an objective reality and it's something that I can think about and it's something that I'm not measuring myself and putting, 
you know, my own thoughts and feelings into. And it's another form of accountability. Yes, exactly. Uh, it, kind of in the same way, just to compete with Android, yeah. <laughs> I get a report from Google Maps that shows where I spent my physical time. Yeah. How many? How much time did I spend on the road? How much yeah. time did I spend at the office? How much time did I spend on vacation? How much? And one of the things I do at the end of the year is I take stock of where my priorities are and where I went and what I did Absolutely. when I figure where I was at those times because my life, what I do, is so governed by where I am. Yeah. I have two different counties, two different offices, et cetera. Yeah. And so that's a great example of technological accountability. Yeah. And really all the things you talked about and the things I talked about are the same. Mm-hmm. They really are. They're just different ways yeah. to do things. And, and, and because you're a millennial, probably you're going to be more like our audience. Yeah. And and when we and and the point is not using an Android or an iPhone as much as I love to 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 bring that debate into things because it's fun, right? Um the point is is to make something make your time, which is something that is usually pretty ethereal and conceptual into something that's measurable and objective so that you can really look at where your priorities have been, right? And and here are some ways that um, that I use that information, right? Some practical ways that I try to stop distractions before they come. Um, uh, one of the personal practices I have is the aggressive limiting of phone notifications, right? For me and my phone, the default position for any app to give me, be able to give me a notification, be able to make my phone light up, buzz, or 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 beep, right, is off. And and an app has to earn the right to distract me, right. And so my, um, I do the the risk assessment calculation with every app that I have, and if something, uh, if something has to have the potential to make my life worse if I miss a notification. Uh, in order for it to be able to be on, uh, to be a notification on my phone. And so just some practical reality of that messages gives me, you know, I, I get notifications for messages. I do not get notifications for emails because the urgent notifications I get in my life never come over email. That's never something that I can, uh, will be in deep trouble if I don't check it more than twice a day. Right. Um, I don't need to be individually notified of every email that I receive, right? Uh, um, apps and games don't don't generally get a notification, but my task manager app where I keep notes on where what I need to do and when I need to do it, that can notify me. I, I have chess I have a chess app on my phone and and me and Austin Kyle have just continually play chess all the time, right? Um, I don't get notifications when he makes a move on my phone. But I do get them on my iPad because I tend to use my iPad in situations where I can jump on and do that, and uh, and it's not going to distract me from my work, right? Um, and so, if uh, my if something asks me for notifications, I automatically say no unless there's a reason for me to get them, right? Interesting. I kind of do the same thing, but if I decide to say yes, I ask myself, and this drives you nuts, you. Mm-hmm okay, what am I going to take away if I add this? Yeah. So if I add an app to my phone, I, I, I delete one Yeah. for that purpose. Yeah. Um, try to do the same thing if I'm going to add a desktop, desktop icon to my computer. And that's my personality as yeah. much as anything. 
But it's interesting. I love the example you gave about chess because one of the things, and also, I mean, you've talked a lot about really dealing with distractions a lot of times comes down to budgeting time. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we do budget recreation. Yeah. Because Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Yeah. And he wants us to have rest. He wants us to have a Sabbath. He wants us to have fellowship. He wants us to enjoy things. Mm -hmm. He wants us to do that. And that's okay. Yeah. Right? If video games are a distraction, maybe one thing to do is devote. I'm going to play my video games at this time. I'm going to read my books at this time. One of the other things that I try real hard to do is I try to get to work about 30 minutes before my day is scheduled to start so I can just surf the internet, read the I read my Google News report, which takes quite a bit of time. I look at Facebook. I do all that stuff, and I try to have all that handled about 30 minutes before my staff's going to be at the office. Mm-hmm. So, And I don't always get that done. I don't always get there early, and I don't always... But I try to allot myself that time because what that does is that makes the rest of the day more productive. Yeah. And it's it's not only okay to do that. I think that's one of the things God wants you to do is take care of yourself and have some time to refresh yourself so you can be your best and you can glorify God with those things. Yes. And and those are good things. And and as long as we make sure that they are good things within the bounds of what God has for us and they're not becoming God things, then they remain good things, right? And um, one of the practical realities, like I mentioned, is chess doesn't get to light up my phone, but it can light up my iPad, right? And so uh, that that's one uh, that's that's just one example. Another thing I do beyond aggressively limiting my phone notifications, and I'm going to be real, Corey, just a personal, um, you know, just just a personal observation of life. A little part of me gets stressed out if I'm hanging out with a friend and I see Facebook uh, notify them on their phone, right? Like just because for me that would derail my entire day, right? Um, if, if, I, if Facebook could tell me when someone liked one of my posts, right? Um, and, and so it's, uh, it's a very important part of what I do. And part of that is um, my ADHD and, and, my, and my brain. My brain's always chasing after dopamine. That's, that's kind of what ADHD is. And, and I, I know I would latch onto that if I could ever see it. But that's an, another example of why personal application of this is very different. And I very aggressive. If you saw my notification screen, dear listener, um, you would probably be surprised by how few things I give permission to distract me in my normal day to day life. Um, the second thing that I do is I, uh, do my best to install systems in my life to keep me on task. And you and I have talked about this a little bit, you know, um, I, I use what's called the GTD methodology of, of task management. And it's just getting things done. It was a book written by David Allen. And so I have a very specific routine of, of how I um, do things. And, and for me, for example, um, if you text me and say, hey, will you, um, will you take paper to the Haven building uh, so that I can, I'm almost out and I need to print off my lesson notes for Haven. Um, I have a very specific way that I put that into, I store that task. If I can't do it right then, I have a very specific way is if, if a task can get done in less than two minutes, I do it right now. If it can't, I file it away and I have a review system and it, and it's just a system that is very unwieldy. If I, unwieldy, if I were to 
explain the whole system right now, but I've spent nearly a decade building the system around my life so I can have things that I trust in my life to tell me when past me you wanted to get stuff done. But you, you've got a system that works for you. Yes. So what I do in that scenario, and it probably drives people nuts because I have one of those jobs where everybody looks at my calendar all the time. Yeah. Like print it off and they say, can I see your calendar? Yeah. I put everything on my calendar. I will put call Chad at 245 and ask him about a ream of paper. Yeah. I will put check this and my calendar will be annoyingly personally detailed Mm -hmm. because I have one master calendar that I use. One of my rules is I don't have like that personal calendar and that work calendar and that church calendar Mm -hmm. because there's just so many things that can go wrong. I have one yeah, and it's ridiculously detailed, but you got to find what works for you. Exactly. Whereas my calendar represents responsibilities that I have that involve a specific time and a specific place. So, um, I, uh, help coach my boys in coach pitch and T-ball, right? That's just something that I help do. Right. And I will have practice in my calendar, but I will have get things, you know, get bucket of balls in truck for practice as a task. Right. And that's just a difference in the way that you and I do things. And that's why I give that right. Like, the, the point, though, is we both have specific rules for how we deal with stuff so we can trust the systems that we built up around us. Sure. And so I don't want to belabor this, but I, I will say, because this, this actually comes up quite a bit, and I can think of a lot of people this is applied to. We've had a lot of people who are Haven alums mm-hmm. who graduate, go get their real job, and they say, we're having, I'm having efficiency issues. I'm, having, I'm forgetting tasks, whatever. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with a guy – I can't think of a lady, but yeah, one lady. I've sat down and said, okay, here's how we make a calendar and here's how we organize. Yeah. And if you're having those issues, I would love to sit down and talk to you because I'm not somebody that these things come easily to, but I mm-hmm. am somebody who has learned. Yeah. And I think you would say the same thing, that yeah, if somebody absolutely. has an issue, come sit down and talk to us. Yeah. And and a lot of you are thinking, well, I'd rather talk to Elizabeth because she thinks more like me and she's more organized. And anytime my wife has 500 to-do things on her to-do list phone and this complicated system she does, mm-hmm. if you want to talk to her, I'm going to throw her out there too because she'll help you. Yeah. So and just like anything else, if you want some practical tips with this, come talk to us. We'll help you do it. Yeah, that's what we're here for. And I would suggest talk to all three of us, you know, and, and, and take what you can from from all three of our systems and throw out what you can't because we all do things separately and that's what fellowship is for. And I'll tell you somebody else who is uber organized and does it unlike you, me, or Elizabeth either one, Michael Butler. Uh-huh. I'm going to throw yes. him out there too. Yeah. Go talk to him. He yeah. has a totally different system um, that it's maybe a little bit between Chad and I, but mm-hmm. he's a totally different way of thinking, but he's somebody that I look at and I say, man, he's got his stuff together. Yeah. And so... He's another person, and a fool scorns wisdom and knowledge. So, if you're struggling with these issues, let's go have a conversation. Let's go. Let's go. Go to Chicken Express and and get some t- get some tea and talk through this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I th- I think that that um that that is a great. I, I completely agree. And I didn't even think about offering that, but but our our doors are open, and I will I will put a meeting with you on my calendar. And I, I will, uh, I'll meet with you and we'll, we'll get together and I'll show you the good and bad and ugly in my system. I'll show you my failures and all that stuff because, um, the important thing is to manage our time and steward our time as a commodity with value in the same way that we steward our money as a commodity with value so that we can use it to glorify the Lord. 
Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about distractions. Yeah. One of the things that I get distracted from is prayer. Yeah. So let's move on to the question, do I really need to pray every day? Yeah. So, well, so Chad, go ahead and answer that. Um, I think that uh, one thing before we jump into the specifics of the question, the reason that we're talking about prayer second is I, the first thing I would say is apply those principles to that practice of prayer, right? Think about the heart issues. What keeps you from praying? Why are things distracting to you? Why are these things a higher priority for you than prayer in that moment? Two, make practical uh um, put practical things in place to help you measure, you know, and, and do things so that you have a real understanding of how much you pray, right? Um, just an example of that is I do habit tracking, right? I have um, a little tag on my on the back of, I, I pray through Psalms, and I have a little tag on the back of my um, Psalm book that I pray with, and I can scan it with my phone, and it puts it into a habit tracker for me so I can look back and be like, oh, I've done poorly this month. Um, and so the first thing I would say is apply these um, these principles to your daily prayer life. That's, that's a great uh, example. Mm-hmm. And it kind of falls in line with a study that you and I were talking about before we came in, in that I, I read a study, and I think it was – it was referenced in a Focus on the Family article that I read. It wasn't a yeah. Focus on the Family study. It was a Pew Research study. Mm-hmm. But they studied thousands of dads, and they asked these dads of young children, I think younger than high school. Yeah. They said, how many times a day do you – how much time in a day do you spend in conversation with your children? And the average dad said 15 minutes on a work day. Mm-hmm. Longer on the weekend, but 15 minutes on a work day. They placed recording devices on these children and recorded every time the father's voice was picked up, whether he was speaking to the child or simply in the child's presence. Mm -hmm. And the average father in this survey spent 37 seconds Mm -hmm. in the presence of his child. Yep. 37 seconds. And so often we think, oh, I, I spend all this time, I talk to God all the time, and we really don't devote a lot of time to talking to God, Yeah, which is tragic because the Bible actually commands us to pray without ceasing, mm-hmm. right? It says in First Thessalonians 5.16, pray without ceasing, which means, and we're actually, spoiler alert, Sunday morning I'm preaching, you're going to hear more about this, mm-hmm. but... That means not saying amen. Yeah. That means God is a part of the conversation all day long. Mm -hmm. And it's a little awkward if you spend your day with somebody you never speak to. Yes. Had a roommate like that in college. Didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I think that that really gets to, I think we're getting close to the crux of that question, right? The wording of that question is, do I need to pray every day? Right. And so... Before we jump into that question, you really, um, you really, you know, stuck your legs in the water. You're sitting on the edge because we've we've gotten into it a little bit. But but I think I, I want to dial back a little bit and and deal with that question. Do I need to pray every day? Right? And I would say we need to define need. Right? And so um, on one hand, right. Uh, you could interpret that question, do I need to pray every day, as something that 
that affects our positional relationship with God, right? And and if the question is, do I need to pray every day to remain saved, right? Do I need to pray every day to secure a place in heaven, right? Uh, from a, like a more legalistic viewpoint, I would say no, right? In the same way that I don't need to talk to my boys every day in order to remain a dad, right? Um, uh, we don't need to pray every day in order to remain a Christian, but if you interpret that question as if you if you define need as is it wise and good and important are we called to pray every day then absolutely we need to pray every day right i am going to be my boy's dad forever for for time immemorial <laughs> i will be my boy's dad from now on right and even if i never said a word to them god another word to them god forbid i would still be their dad but I'm going to be a good dad to them, if I'm going to be the dad that God's called me to be to them, I need to talk to them all the time, right? Because I need to have a relationship with them. I need to know them intimately. I need to, to know what they're scared of, and, and I need to know what they, they hope in. I need to, to know how they're processing their life. I need to know where they stand with God. I need to know how they understand the world around them. I need to know the things they get excited about and the, and the things that they need to get excited about in the future. I need to know their weaknesses. I need to know their strengths. I need to know them. And the only way I can figure that out is by spending time with them, talking to them and thinking about them and being intentional with them. Right. And in the same way, our relationship with God requires conversation. So we need to talk to God in that way. Yeah, and, and we spent some time studying this summer about seeking God's will and mm-hmm. about doing that through prayer and Scripture. Yeah. And Scripture's got to be a part of how we pray. Um, you know, for me, the way that looks is I have a list of my wants and needs that I pray through every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, loved ones, that type of stuff. But also spend time in prayer about the scripture that I study, yeah, and try to seek God's will in my life. Then it's also amazing how much I I feel like He talks to me when I'm actually just going through my list. It's mm-hmm. amazing how often I will feel called to take an action while I'm praying. Yeah, and that's one of those side quests as opposed to distractions, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're praying for this person, and God says, "Do this for this person." Yeah. So a lot of times, and this sounds like really contrary, I send a lot of text messages while I'm praying. Yeah, yeah. Like if I'm praying for somebody, a lot of times I'll send a text message that says thinking about you or this or that mm-hmm. because I'm praying for them, and, and I feel like God prompts me, go encourage that person. Yeah. And so they go together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that I use the Psalms to pray, right? Um, I... Uh, do my best to pray in little pray without ceasing every day. And as the Lord prompts me, as the Holy Spirit is active in, in in my life, and I think about this friend that's going through this thing or this situation, I, I try to just say little prayers and all of that stuff. Guide me in this. Do this, please. You know, like I would um, have a text message with with somebody I cared about, right? But there's also um, you have to. Um, cultivate intentional time as well. And the way that you do that is you pray through the scripture that you're you're studying in that moment. The way that I do that is I pray through a psalm every day, right? And, um, you know, like I said earlier, I have systems in my life that I depend on just because I, my, my brain doesn't develop habits well, right? And one of those things that I do every day is I have 
When I sit down at my desk first thing every day, I have what I call a quorum deo, which means in the sight of God, right? And I have a short list of things that involves, you know, going through my my inbox, making sure I have everything written down, going through my emails, going through my calendar, seeing what I have for the day, all that good stuff. But the first thing on that list is pray a psalm, right? And I set aside five minutes or so, um, five to 10 minutes. If, if I'm really struggling, if I have the time, it might be longer. But every day I try to pray through a psalm. Um, well, no, I, I do pray through it. If I'm being obedient to the, the system that I've built around my life, right? Um, I pray that psalm every day. And what that does is it brings me in line with the word of God and, and puts me in a position where I'm, I am more able to have those little shotgun prayers throughout the day because I have had that intentional time with God. It's like with the spouse, you need to have continual tactical conversations with, with your spouse, right? You need to talk about, you know, it's like you need to send a text message and be like, oh, um, you know, this kid's practice got moved to this place. Um, we're out of we're out of ground beef for dinner tonight. We need to switch up what we're cooking tonight. Or the, will you pick this up on your way home or whatever? But you also need to have strategic conversations with your spouse regularly where you sit down and you invest in your relationship. You know, you call that date night. You can call that whatever. But I think you, it's absolutely hilarious. You just call it strategic. Yeah. So, guys – Chad is dating someone right now, but he's had the mentality of a single man for several years now. <laughs> and that is the most single guy thing I've ever heard when you talk about a spouse relationship. Strategic. Yeah. I was thinking romantic. I was about to say, but you, you need to have the text that says we're out of tortillas, but you also need the one that says, I love you, beautiful. Yeah. But well, I mean, and, and, and you, but you also need to have the conversations where you sit down and you, and you, and you talk about what your life will have, right? And so by strategic, I just mean big picture, right? And part of that, you can be romantic in small tactical ways or in big strategic ways. I have absolutely nothing wrong. No <laughs> problem at all with the, yeah. the terminology. Yeah. It, it's just it's more logical. It's goal-oriented. <laughs> it's masculine. I got no problem with it. I just love it. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. We're talking about this relationship stuff because yeah. you and I – have done a lot of podcasts together. Yeah. Y'all may totally disagree, but if you're still listening by now, you probably agree that we're pretty, we have pretty good chemistry. Yeah. It works pretty well together. There's two things for that. We have developed practical skills. We have a system with Google Docs where we type at the same time in different locations and work through things and plan. And we also have a friendship. Mm -hmm. And so both that relationship and those skills that we sharpen are both honed by time together. Yes. And praying to God and praying with God is a discipline that you hone relationally, or as Chad would say, strategically, <laughs> and you hone actually in a skillful way. You hone the skills. You hone mechanically. Yeah. And so a little task for those two things that I thought we might challenge people to do. Mm-hmm. One of them is what you said, which is pray through a psalm. Mm -hmm. Another one is, I want to challenge you, and this actually works best, I think, with another person because you get that conversation going, and it can become a three-way conversation. Take a friend and go on a prayer walk. Yeah. Walk. If you're at USAO, just walk through campus and pray about what you see, the people you see. The things you think of, the memories you have, the experiences you have, the emotions that you share, and just talk to God about that stuff with your eyes open 
while you're taking that walk. Yeah. And it might freak you out if you're not used to praying with your eyes open and yeah. doing that. But I, I'm telling you, the idea of this prayer walk and having a conversation with God about what you see is so beneficial to honing the art of living a life that acknowledges the presence of God mm-hmm. and praying without ceasing. Yeah. And so that's your homework today. I want to challenge you. Go for a prayer walk. Prayer drive, acceptable, but not as good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and you use the word there that I want to camp out on for just a couple minutes before we uh, get off of here and, and, and let our dear friends that are listening live their lives, right? You use the word discipline, right? Prayer is a spiritual discipline like any other discipline that we have, right? There, there are spir- the spiritual discipline of scripture intake, the spiritual discipline of, of, of giving, of, uh, of, of, sacrif- of sacrificing of your, of your time and your money and all that stuff. There are disciplines, right? And I, in my mind, inherently, that word discipline means that we're going to fail before we succeed, right? It, it's something that we work on and we hone over time. And so I just want to encourage you both in prayer and in the other things that we've been talking about with dealing with distractions and things like that. This is a muscle we have to build over time. And so I want to encourage you to build that like you would any other discipline that you want to build. And remember, you wrote this down, Chad. All of this needs to be done in the context of grace. Yes. We have a loving father who loves us so much and knows we're not going to be good at stuff. Mm-hmm. When my son was learning to walk and he took his first step and fell on his face, I didn't slap him and say, you failure, <laughs> you fell. I jumped up and down and called people and celebrated and cheered because my son just took a step and I love him and I'm proud of him. Yep. And I didn't expect him to start off running marathons. I expected him to take one step before two steps. Yep. And that's how much God loves us. And when we fall, he, I truly believe, enjoys helping us get back up. Exactly. Right. And, um, you know, when we, we, we're going to fall, we're going to have to grow into this, this discipline, right? Which is, um, which is okay. It's also something that while it's a discipline, we grow into it. It's also something we benefit from. Um, one of my favorite authors and professors, and you and I were actually talking about him before we, uh, before we started, his name is Don Whitney, um, wrote an awesome book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. But one thing that he says there is that freedom is earned through discipline. A lot of times we see discipline as drudgery. We see it as something that we just give ourselves to and see no benefit from. But when we're disciplined in something, we develop the skills necessary to be free. If you want to feel free to free from your distraction, work through the discipline of finding ways to intentionally uh intentionally fight that distraction. If you want to feel free to pray, if you want to be one of those people that when called on to pray in any situation, they pray and you just know that they spend time in prayer and have a relationship with the Lord, develop the discipline of of prayer. Those are real benefits that God wants us to have from that discipline. I have to go there. I I was, I know we're trying to wrap it up, but here we go. The movie Justice League. Uh-huh. Not the good one, the Snyderverse, but the other one. <laughs> the best part of that movie, mm-hmm. and it's not in the other one, but the best part of that movie is when Batman and Wonder Woman and The Flash go and they see that Steppenwolf, the bad guy with the horns, has all these scientists in this sewer thing, and they're trapped. Yeah, And The Flash, who's a kid, turns to Batman and says, but what if... I'm scared. 
what if I'm too scared to do anything? Yeah. And Batman looks at him and he holds up a finger and says, just save one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he just dives in. And so there's a thousand things that need doing. But Batman says, just save one. Mm-hmm. Corbin Lee, Haven alum, my CrossFit coach, he is great about breaking down tasks. Today we had this wad, this workout of the day called Karen, and it's horrible. It's 150 wall balls, which if you don't know what a wall ball is, just imagine a thing that's horrible. Mm-hmm. But he wrote down 25, 25, 20, 15, and he broke these things down mm-hmm. and said, do this many and then come over and mark it off and do this many and go over and mark it off. And I didn't even do that. I didn't even do them like he said. I just broke them down my own way after he did it. But the fact that he broke them down, I can do 25 wall balls. Yeah. I can still do 25 wall balls. And you get that done. Yeah. And you don't have to start from being, I don't have any organization to tomorrow. I am a master of organization. I am all of a sudden a organization ninja. Mm-hmm. Just start somewhere. Save one. Yep. Do one thing. Yep. Absolutely. And the third thing um, really brings us back kind of full circle, and I think it's a good place to end. Since prayer is a discipline like any other discipline, it's something that we can become legalistic about if we don't check our heart. Our heart is the operative uh, reality in all of these things we're talking about. Without a renewed heart, uh, without, without a relationship with the Lord, without a new heart that comes from that relationship with the Lord, all of our fights against distraction are either hopeless or a road towards sin and self-righteousness. All of our efforts in prayer are either um, hopeless or a road towards self-righteousness. Our heart has to be continually being renewed by our relationship with our Lord, with the Lord. And so we need to check our heart and understand that this is something that we are, we need to grow in. And it's also something that the Lord is using to change our heart, not a way that we're proving our, our righteousness to God or anyone else. Absolutely. Prayer is always an act of worship, but yep. sometimes we're worshiping the stuff we're praying for yeah. instead of the person we're praying to. Yep. And so that's, that's a really great point. We don't want to be ritualistic. We don't pray because we want stuff. We pray because we love God and we want God to be glorified through stuff. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Speaking of pray, let's do that. All right. Sounds great. You want to do it? Sure. Dear Lord, um, I thank you for this time that I've got to spend together uh, in person with with my friend Corey and with in uh, in spirit with all of our listeners here and all of the people I have a relationship with through the Haven. Lord, I pray that you would um, just uh, multiply grace on all of us as we try to fight distractions, as we try to stay on mission for you. Um, Lord, please help us to, um, to cultivate our relationship with you as individuals, uh, to, to pray and, and to, to speak with you and to seek your will, God, so that you could continually just help us come closer and closer to you. Lord, I thank you, um, just for the technology that exists that allows us to do things like this when we need to be a part, uh, for the sake of, uh, safety or any other reason. And, uh, thank you for, giving us your grace in that way. Lord, I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen.